Welcome to the Life of Christ Series 6. This is Lesson 9. We're going to... I was going to pick up where we left off, but I really don't know whether we should, because it's been so long. I'm going to go back. Is that okay? Let me just, you know, I'm asking, I'm telling you. We'll just quickly go back. I'm going back to page 34 in my book. Because we're, that's where the section actually begins, the law of loving your neighbor. And because uh, we were right in the middle of it, uh, so to speak, when, when we left last, last time we were here. And uh, we were looking at Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. I will try to get through it as quick as I can, but, you know, if it doesn't, I'm so sorry. Okay? <laughs> I just think, I don't know if anybody remembers anything. So let's, let's begin in Matthew 5, 43, uh, where Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. So again, Jesus begins by quoting what had been taught at the time. William Hendrickson said that love your neighbor and hate your enemy must have been the popular way in which the average Israelite during the days of Christ's ministry summarized the second table of the law and regulated his life with respect to friend and foe. He must have learned it from the scribes and Pharisees. The second table of the law is uh, the first four commandments are the first table. The next six are the second table, by the way, you know, um, just so you know. Um, so that's where it says don't steal and don't kill and all that sort of stuff, okay? Um, but it's interesting how they had summarized that into love, love your neighbor, hate your enemy, <laughs> okay? Uh, which, the, which the scribes and Pharisees apparently had done. But Hendrickson points out that not all the scribes thought this way, because it is also reported in Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 33. You probably remember all of this, but let me just go through it very quickly. Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceived that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Uh, I don't know if you were... um, whether you'd seen that series that had come out. I think it's called The Chosen. I'm not sure. Uh, but I think this is one of those lines that keeps getting repeated. Uh, over and over again or something close to this. And it was something that the Jews would say. It was their saying. Okay. Um, and verse 30 it says, And you shall love the Lord your God. See, it didn't go on to the next thing by the way. And it says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And this is the first um, commandment. And the second, verse 31, like it is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. It's very interesting that Jesus brings out these two commandments and says there's no other commandment greater than these. That was a dangerous statement to make. Okay, <laughs> because, you know, it, it, this is where somebody would say, oh, so it's okay to, you know, go kill somebody or whatever. But, but see, it says love your neighbor. So that takes that away. Do you understand? But it's funny how people are always looking for a loophole. Have you noticed that? You know, I think people are champions for looking, in, you know, looking for loopholes. Why? I always think, you know, why is it that people are in such a hurry to get themselves in trouble? Isn't it interesting? You know, um, verse 32. So the scribe said to him, Well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth, for there is one God and there is no other but He. And to love Him with all the heart, uh, with all the understanding, with all the soul, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all the whole... uh, 
more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. So in other words, he's saying, I get it, I understand. And he says, I understand the significance of loving your neighbor over all the sacrifices you can make you know, in repenting over things. Okay, the sacrifices were to do with repenting and so loving God, so to speak. And, you know, he, he kind of understood something very significant there because Jesus, remember, is going to talk about you have, you know, uh, kept certain laws and, and really messed other ones up. He said, you know, you talk about, uh, you know, all your tithing and all of those sort of things, but you forget mercy and you forget justice and you forget all of those other things. And he said, you should do the first. But you shouldn't, you shouldn't leave the other undone either. In other words, he said, you need to do all of it. <laughs> okay? Stop looking for, you know, what can I do and what can't I do. Just do all of it. Because God gave all of it for us to bless us. Amen? Amen. So anyway, so he understood this obviously. And as I've said, as encouraging as this is, it also lets us know that the scribes, and of course the Pharisees were well aware of Leviticus 19.18. Which, that's what says, you know, love your neighbor, okay? Uh, which Robert H. Mount says was the foundation of Jewish ethics. So that was their foundational, you know, uh, law. That was their foundational way of thinking. And so for, to ask this question really, uh, was kind of irrelevant, you know. Um, but anyway, uh, and the, the, the point I want to make here actually is that they knew this. It was a core belief, okay? That, that's the key thing in all of this. Um, and which clearly stated, and this is again Leviticus 19.18, it says, You shall not take vengeance, nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Now, there is the scripture, Notice the things it says. You, can't, you shall not take vengeance. Isn't that interesting? Okay. In all of that, so that wasn't another verse. It was all in the same verse. I want to draw your attention to that because, you know, these guys kind of, they kind of pick and choose. You know, we, there was a movement, there was a point in time when we, we used to call a certain group of people favorite word people. You know, they didn't care about all the words. They just cared about the bits that they liked. And so, you know, they, they were sort of termed favorite word because of that. Because they picked and choose, you know, chose what they wanted to believe. And this is exactly what is happening in, with this group. They, they pick and choose the bits that they want that suit them, that, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Work for them? That benefit them? <laughs> okay, all those kind of words. All right? And left the things that don't actually work. You know, they, 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 there are some things that require sacrifice. Listen to me, okay? That, you know, like I said, you know, when, when this whole thing started, uh, it wasn't easy sort of doing more things. But that was what needed to be done. And I really felt in my heart that was what was needed. Because we, we're not just in a war against a virus, we are in a war against fear. It is a war. And we're all fighting it in different ways. And that's the reason why I just felt God said, do this. Because the just shall live by faith. And you know, some of the amazing things that have been happening in our lives, and I'm sure you guys all have miracles that you can talk about, uh, just, just incredible things. I, I know uh, Emily shared something with Jamie you know, when he came in, and it was just, just an unusual thing. And this is, the, this is what it means to live by faith. 
Um, we were, because all of this was starting, can I give you a quick testimony? Okay. <laughs> because all of this was starting, I, I said, okay, we need to get hands and eyes and stuff. You know, we, we, need to do, we, we need to do what's right. You know, and I just said, let's just do what we know to do that's right. See, because as somebody once said, how can God bless you if you just knowingly break the law all the time? He can't. You know, you need to, know, you need to do what you know to do without getting into fear. Okay, but just be responsible. Um, and then after that, if something, you know, if, if you try to do something and it's not there to do, well, then God won't hold you responsible for that. You all know what I'm saying? Okay, and so <laughs> anyway, Emily had gone out because Aldi was bringing out these, you know, hand sanitizers and stuff, you know, the really big bottles, because they're ripping you off on that out there at the moment. Uh, yeah, and uh, so they, they, you know, brought out this almost one liter, it's 9.75 mil or something, uh, you know, for 10 bucks. I said, ooh, that's really good. And they limit two per customer, you know. And so Emily went out in the morning that day, went out to two different Aldi's, nothing. Meanwhile, <laughs> and, and I sort of was, uh, I called her at, at a certain point in time. I was sort of doing stuff, and I just called her, and I said, how are you going? And she goes, oh, I didn't get him. I said, oh, okay. She, I said, I really feel to go somewhere. Come home, and we'll go. And so she came home, and I, you know, we, there was this, uh, another one you know, a place called Marsden Park. And I said, I just feel to go there. I don't know why I just feel to go there. Now this is close to one o'clock in the afternoon. Y'all know it's all gone. And the people were saying, oh, they went as soon as they came in, basically. The trolley fools just all disappeared. So, <laughs> and I said, you know, let's just go anyway. Me and, we're about to turn right at the stoplights. We're just about there. And out of my mouth comes, probably won't be anything there. And I thought, what, what is wrong with you? <laughs> You know? Isn't this interesting? I'm just, I'm just showing. You know, we're all human, okay? I'm thinking that this is impossible, you know? And, but the difference was, even though my head was doubting, my heart still was, we need to go there. Watch now, because this will happen to you guys sometimes. You know, even though your head doubts, your heart's still saying yes. Go with your heart. Forget the reasoning. Go with your heart. And so, so this is what happens. So we turn up there. We go into the store. This is just like one of those unbelievable things. Okay, we go in the store, and I'm following Emily because she knows where she goes. I don't know where I go. I get lost in the store. And so I'm just following her. We go up to a table because she kind of knew approximately where it should be. We go up to a table. There's two sitting on the table. That's it, two. My first thought is, what's wrong with them? No, I'm serious. You know, you know, my next thought is just take him, silly. You know, <laughs> we agreed that we're going to get this. We got this, so we grabbed the two. Then we find out, as as Emily's going off to pay for the thing, we find out that a lady had found two that had been put in the wrong place, picked it up, and gone and dropped it off. Went back to her register. Somebody came and asked her, do you have any hand sanitizers? And she said, yes, I just put two on the table and saw us going and picking them up. But that's timing for you. You can't, you can't plan stuff like that. Do you know what I'm trying to say? I just want to show you something because, see, we always depend on how we can plan something in order to, you know, whether we decide whether it's going to be successful or not based on our careful planning. Are you all with me? And that, I mean, you just think about the timing on that. Had we got there a little bit earlier, we wouldn't have been there because she wouldn't have put it on the table yet. Had we got there seconds later, this guy that asked her would have gone and picked him up. You know what I'm trying to say? 
No, I feel sorry for the guy, but we need it both. <laughs> we have church, and we have Bible college, we, you know, we're going to have youth you know, the following week. Uh, we just needed it. And I just knew, it was a, it's a specialty item, so it's not available all the time. You know, with Aldi, you know what I'm trying to say? And so, it was just, those are the kind of things, you know, I just sort of feel like there is a supernatural aspect to this. When God says to love your neighbor, when God says to do certain things, we need to keep, you know, we were doing that, and this is the reason why I, was, I brought this up, we did that because we didn't want to break the law. We didn't want to sort of, you know, be careless because this door of opportunity has opened. And I said, God, we need to do the right thing. You know, and so because we had that right heart, God led us to something. That was just an absolute miracle. Now, I could tell you other stories, it'd take a long time, and I don't really, you know, spend more time, but this has happened over and over again. It's not because we're preachers. It's because we're His kids. You are His kids. There is something about God looking after you as long as you have faith in Him. That's the reason why I'm preaching on faith right now in the middle of the week. You know, the just shall live by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. I'm trying to get things across to you guys so that you can start doing this and allowing God to lead you by His Spirit at unusual times, in unusual ways, to get what you need. Amen? And that's why it should be different. That's why our God supplies all of our need according to His riches and miraculous hand. <laughs> can I add that? Okay, His riches in glory and His miraculous leading and you know, guidance in this earth. And the way that He does things is just mind-blowing. Amen. Okay, so, there's a testimony. Hope that helps you. And I, I pray that, you know, that, that's really why I'm trying to get this word across to you guys, so that you can walk in this, because the darker it gets the more opportunity for incredible miracles to take place. Do you understand? It, it, it really, we should shine the brightest when it's the darkest. I'm going to leave you with that one. Okay. Back to this. Alright, so. As to hating your enemy. Let me continue on. Um, I'm reading down from Levit- Le- Leviticus 19.18. As to hating your enemy, that may have been added later as a result of scriptures such as Psalm 139. See, it was never in this scripture where it says, Psalm 139, verses 21-22, where it says, Oh Lord, shouldn't I hate those that hate you? Notice who he's wanting to hate. I believe this is David. He says, shouldn't I hate those who hate you? Not hate me. Do you see the difference? But those who hate you. Okay, and, and he says, shouldn't I despise those who resist you? Yes, I hate them with a complete hatred, for your enemies are my enemies. Now, notice again, <clears throat> this is not about you hating people that hate you. This is about deciding, and you know, hate is a very strong word, and we need to be careful how we use it. Alright, because remember again, this is Old Testament. The love of God was not sure to brought in their heart. <laughs> okay? And God used to use what they call the carrot and the stick method to lead them. You know, He would throw the carrot out there and tempt them to do the right thing. And you know, if they did the wrong thing, the stick would come out kind of thing. You know? uh, and the reason is, it wasn't that He was spanking them, that it would open the door for the enemy to just flood in and do crazy things. And then, then they'd write down, God did this to us. Which is very sad. Which is the reason why you know, we base the name of our church on John 10.10. 10, because Jesus finally drew a dividing line. And he said, you know all the stuff that steals, kills and destroys? That's not me. He said, the thief does that. He said, I have always come with life. To give you life. And to not just give you life, but give you life more abundantly. Amen. 
You know, and it's, it's, I don't have time to explain a lot of these things, but there is so much science and so much spirituality involved in when things went wrong, why people suffered as a result of it. Even though they said it was God, why that actually, what actually happened in the background that caused that thing to come along and hurt the people of God? Because they walked out of the light. That's why I love the Apostle John, you know, when he says, if you are in the light, as he is in the light. Then things work out for you. When you step out, you're in the darkness, dude. You stepped out. It's up to you to get back in. Amen? Amen. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> sorry I'm preaching today. It's, you know, it's happening. So, <laughs> okay. Some days we just need to preach, you know. I just feel like this is, this is a time when we need preaching more than teaching. So I, I'm, I'm not going to hold this back, because uh, I pray that it will bless you. Um, <clears throat> Alright, on closer inspection, uh, this is what I was bringing out before, we find the psalm actually is about hating those who hate God, not hating those who consider, uh, you consider to be your enemy. In fact, in his commentary, John Phillips explained that there is such a thing as a holy hatred, being righteously indignant and angry, abhorring those who would mount attacks on the Creator and the Sustainer of the universe. Thus, David declared that he hated those who hate God. So we need to be very careful how we take this, okay? Some people just get offended, you know, because somebody is speaking badly about God, and they get offended, and God's going, don't worry about it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes, God, but I'm offended. Just don't be. That's your offense now. You know, like I said, we are now living in the age where the Spirit of God has shed the love of God in our hearts. And because of that, we have a greater capacity to love now. And uh, that's the reason why I brought out the stick and the carrot before, that we now live in the New Testament. We now live in a place where we are to love our enemies. Amen? You say, yeah, but what about God's enemies? You know what? All you can do is pray for them. You know, whatever you sow, you reap. You need to be careful. You know, I, I used to be a person, I'll put my hand up now. <laughs> uh, I used to be a sort of person that if somebody said something bad about God, I said, strike him, God. I was like, you know, J- James and John, the sons of thunder. You know, uh, I used to say, strike him down, God, just let him have it. I am giving you permission. Because I have a feeling that you kind of need permission to do it. Because you know? <laughs> it talks about God working with us. God doesn't work apart from us. As much as people down on this earth like to think so, He doesn't work apart from us. He works with us. And we are to be responsible in what we bring down. That's why Jesus said to you know, James and John, He said, you don't know what spirit you're of. Stop doing that stuff, you know, calling down fire from heaven. Because it was Elisha. You all remember Elisha? You know, boy, he was a tough one. Sheesh. <laughs> yeah, alright. Uh, however, when it comes to people that you consider to be your personal enemies, the Bible never says to hate them, but actually the exact opposite with Proverbs. This is Old Testament now. Proverbs twenty five twenty one, saying, If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. We talked about this before. And if he's thirsty, give him water to drink. And I said, you know, joking, I said, don't poison this either. <laughs> you know, here, go ahead, go ahead. It's really good. Drink this, you know. Uh, because that's... <laughs> I don't know if you remember this or not, but in the Old Testament, that was one of the ways they took down one of the generals of the opposing army. They just poisoned the dude, and that was the end of that guy. You know, uh, so <laughs> that's, I make jokes based on biblical events. Okay, sorry about that. Anyway, uh, and Exodus chapter twenty-three, verses four and five. It says, if you come up upon your enemy's ox or donkey that has strayed away, take it back to its owner. I want you. I don't want you to see the action. I want you to see the intent. I want you to see the heart. See, sometimes you get caught up in the action and say, okay, so what can I take back? What should I take back? And you start asking all these questions. You know, you're trying to find the, the sort of boundaries of the law. Whereas the thing, you know, one thing that I've noticed about the Bible, it isn't about, you know, specific boundaries. It's about the heart behind it. 
I want you to notice the heart that is behind this. You find some, you know, your enemy's something, okay, possession, that's wandered off. What do you do? Go serves him right. <laughs> I hate him. You know what? I'll actually put it on a bus and send it further away. <laughs> you know? But you know, see the spirit behind that? That's, that's what this is all about. It's the spirit behind the thoughts you're having. You know, and so that's really what I want to share with you. This is, what, this is really what I want to get across to you. What kind of spirit do you have? The spirit of serves them right? Or the spirit of how can I, you know, I need to get this back to them. They're probably missing it, blah, 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 blah. It's a funny thing, you, you know, you do something uh, um, compassionate. It's a funny thing how that can start to eat away at whatever offense they had at you. And start to take away whatever the devil was doing. To cause that offense. It's amazing. But it's really hard to do. I'm putting my hand up. Okay. And. And. Be spirit led. Because there are people out there. That will take advantage of you. So you need to know. What to do. When to do it. Amen. I'm just saying. You know. You've got to be wise about these things. Alright. But don't be so wise. That you don't do anything. Amen. <laughs> okay. Sometimes I want. You know, okay. I have to make that point. Okay. Verse 5, And if you see the donkey of someone who hates you, struggling beneath a heavy load, do not walk away. Instead, and instead stop and offer to help. Now, let's forget the donkey for a minute. <laughs> okay, Let's not obsess about the donkey. Let's think about, what if you see this person that hates you, their wife and their kids, broken down in the middle of the road? Do you get, do you get what I'm trying to say here? And you go, yeah, yeah, serves him right. Hey, man, they're innocent. Just because that guy is a turkey and is behaving, behaving badly toward you doesn't mean you help, you know, it does, that you don't help his family because they're in trouble. Are you, are you getting this? See, there are two things that are brought out here in that one is a direct help to the person and the other is indirect help in a sense. And you need to see both of those things. You need to understand that whatever help you need to give, if you're there to give help, just help. Are you all with me? Amen. And you know, be wise in how you identify yourself. If, if you know that you know, this person has poisoned their mind uh, you know, against you, maybe you don't need to say anything. Just be there, help them, and they'll find out one day that that was actually that person's enemy and that actually helped you. That will mean more to them that you didn't identify yourself, that you just helped regardless. You all with me? Amen? Because otherwise people feel, you know, odd to receive help, or they get knocky about why you're helping me. You know what I'm trying to say? Are you trying to buy brownie points? You know? Okay? Just, just little things to help you think through this. Okay, so that was the law. And that's what should have been taught. But instead, the scribes and Pharisees were teaching, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Therefore, uh, were being nothing less than willfully negligent, negligent in, their, in their teaching. William Hendrickson writes, It stands to reason that as a result of this woeful misinterpretation of the law, a wall of separation... This is actually quite good. I know we talked about this, but it's interesting to bring this up again. Was built between Jew and Gentile. The former to be loved, the latter to be hated. Okay, Jew to be loved, Gentile to be hated. But it was hard to stop there. See, now this is what the problem is. Once you start drawing dividing lines, they start going everywhere. It doesn't just stop in one place. So watch what happens. Another barricade that must be erected between good Israelites 
Okay, such as the scribes and Pharisees, and bad Israelites. <laughs> okay, such as those regenerates, the publicans, and in general, the entire rabble that did not know the law. See how this, this goes? And this is what had happened over time. They had drawn more and more lines to, there was the, to the place where there was so much division in the house of Israel, that when Jesus came, you know He came to actually join the houses back together? And instead of receiving Him as their Messiah, instead of listening to what He had to say, they argued with Him every step of the way. And we know, I, I think around 70 years later, you know when Jesus went out of the temple, He looked at it and said, not one stone will be standing here. And they all were like, you're kidding. They actually used that against Him in His trial as well, when He was talking about His body. But you know what? The very thing that they accused Him of saying, happened. They burnt the temple down, and because there was gold there, they dismantled it brick by brick to get all the gold out so that Israel could never build it back up again. Plus there's wealth there, needless to say, that they could use. Isn't it interesting? Amen? Anyway, back to this. And it is because there was so much strife and division everywhere that Jesus addresses the subject of loving your neighbor in Luke chapter 10. Now, remember, this is the story of the Good Samaritan. Um, I know we've heard it a million times. I'm sorry. But I gain, I gain new insights as I, every time I go, look into the Word of God. Uh, allow me to just go through this. Is that okay? Alright, because you know, we might pick up something along the way. I feel, I always find that if you're open, God will always give you a new revelation. And I was going through some of the... Uh, of late, God has sort of asked me to do certain things. And one of the things that He asked me to do was to go back over all these scriptures that I had just memorized. You know, and said, so just write them all down. Because he said, there's things in there I still need you to see. You feel like, you know, even though you feel like you've moved on from them, go back to them because there are deeper and deeper revelations. The more you know, the more the scriptures will talk to you. God will talk to you through the scriptures. And that was a really interesting thing, you know, the exercise that I went through, that I began to see things I hadn't seen before. As I was just looking at it, I didn't look at it like, yeah, 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 I've seen this before. Okay, <laughs> okay I know not to do that with God. I looked at it and thought, okay, fresh eyes, fresh eyes. I'm looking at this. And just as I was reading it, I was thinking, wow, I get something here that I'd never seen before. You know, I was reading, for example, Hebrews 11.6. Sorry, I'm sharing stuff because I want to get to this. I want to make a point. <laughs> okay? I know it looks like I'm missing a groove, but I'm not. Okay? But I was reading Hebrews 11.6. You know, but without faith it's impossible to please God. You know, we all know that. And I used to always preach and it's impossible to please God without faith. And, and you know, it goes on to say, you know, that whoever comes to Him must believe that He is and that He is a reward of those that diligently seek Him. And I was looking at that and suddenly... Two words jumped out that had never jumped out before. The must believe part. Boy, I mean that just leaped off the page. And he, and he just and I said, God, and he said, You must believe. I'm like, I believe God. He said, No, you must believe. He said, We're coming to a place now where there, this there this isn't an option anymore. You're not gonna hope, you must believe. <laughs> You're getting this? And out of a scripture that I read a million times, I'd never seen those two words. I would have, I would have preached so many times that without faith it is impossible to please God. You know, yada, yada, yada. And that God is a reward of those that diligently seek Him. But I didn't see this must believe thing. It just was so powerful. And He said, This is where the miracles are now. Listen. 
Boy, he takes two words and then he'll preach a whole sermon on it. And I just got this whole sermon on must believe. And that's where all the things that we need right now in this time, when everybody's saying that's impossible and that's impossible, the must believe, we'll get it. Get it? So, with that in mind, let's look at this. So, open your heart, okay? Okay, all right. Uh, If we get nothing out of it, it's God's fault, because I'm doing it on His instruction. Oh, we're almost... Are you guys okay? Yeah. Let me, let me start this. Let me call a break. Let you guys go and get stuff. Come back and we'll just keep going. Is that okay? All right. All right. So, now they all know. No. <laughs> That's all right. Okay. So, Luke 10, 25. It says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him. Now, I want you to notice it's a certain lawyer. I know I didn't underline that, but I'm letting you know now. This is a real incident. Okay, it says a certain lawyer stood up and tested him. Do you see those words? Okay, his intent wasn't good. All right, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit uh, eternal life? So he didn't ask this because he really wanted to know. He asked this because he was testing him. This is probably was one of those questions that uh, they had been discussing. When it talks about being a lawyer, we're not talking about a lawyer that goes to court. We are talking about a person that is, uh, um, how can I say, a lawyer in the Word of God. Okay, He knows the law. Do you all understand that? Okay, He was on that level. So this is a question, obviously, that they didn't have a solution for. Are you all with me? They knew certain things, but they're wanting to test Him and see, what do, what do you know? Because they would have this constant, you know, this is one of the sad things that happens even in, uh, you know, the, the sort of uh, seminaries and so on today. They are more concerned about arguments. They are more concerned about, you know, apologetics and all of that sort of stuff. And as great as that is, there's no faith in any of that. In fact, some of the people that have come out said, I'm, I'm less a Christian now than I was when I went in. Do you know why? Because they, they do all kinds of comparisons and say, well, you know, Buddha taught this and then Christ taught that and there's this religion over here. And at the end of the day, you come out all confused. Sad, isn't it? Instead of coming out, see, that, this is the reason why I'm doing the life of Christ because I realized something at one point in time. I thought, you know what? This is Bible college. We need to know what Jesus taught. If we know what he taught, then all of the epistles will make sense because they all, you know, they all went off what he taught. Did you get what I said? You know, and I will do this course a lot quicker, okay, once I finish it. But, you know, and they won't get as much detail as you're getting, obviously. All right. But this, this was what we should be studying. This is what we should be taking in about justice and mercy and faith and all those things. Loving your neighbor, all of those things. Those were important. That's what you should come out of a seminary excelling at. Instead, you come out with your noodle all scrambled. And I, <laughs> you know, and I want you to know that that's exactly what was going on back then as well. They would be arguing points of law and none of them would be walking by faith. So when Jesus came, that's why he had to teach so simply when he said, you know, look at the birds and look at the grass and, you know, you know there was a wife, you know, husbandman and he, you know, and he would just use all these examples because they just had no idea. They would go into synagogue, sit there, get confused and go home. So I, I was saying all of that so you understand where this question is coming from. And we'll look at it after the break. There. Take a break. <laughs> <laughs> 